Hello, everybody. This is Tim Green with Rattle Magazine. Welcome to Rattlecast number 73. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. Before we begin, I should say that Rattle is a publication of the Rattle Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit working to promote the practice of poetry. We've been in publication since 1995 and are unaffiliated with any other organization. We just, just do this because we love poetry. And if you love poetry like we do, please be sure to click the like button and share and subscribe if you're not subscribed yet. Follow us if you're on Facebook or whatever you can do. Um, on Facebook, the notifications are really good, so turn those on. Um, click the bell on uh, YouTube. Whatever platform you use, I'm sure there's something you can do to click, and that would be very helpful. Now, for the warm-up poem today, um, I thought we would go to the random button. And what came up at random was Julie Price Pinkerton's poem, What Is My Life About? And now let's just play that here. This is Julie Price Pinkerton. What is my life about? This naked, lonely question is still simmering in a crockpot on the counter of a beach bungalow where no one lives. But if you like, I can show you some examples of what falls out of my life when it's whacked like a piñata. My friend Emily reminisces about the cat she used to have and still misses. Clearly, Pippin and I were telepathic. In my collection of very bad Christmas decorations, there is a cloisonne manger scene with a baby Jesus who has a snout like a piglet. I've been criticized for always looking downward when I walk, but in only five decades, I have found enough coins to sink a rowboat. If I were a household object, I would insist on being a gooseneck lamp or the yarn mane of a toy horse. Most of my prayers are like drive-by shootings. Please help me. Please save her. Thank you for the parking spot. That was Julie Price Pinkerton with... um with uh, What Is My Life About from mail number 45. Uh, Julie Price Pinkerton has uh, been a professor. Uh, where did the note go? I looked it up again. Julie Price Pinkerton has been a teaching creative writing and rhetoric at the University of Illinois since 1998. She was also the um, uh, winner of the 2016, I think, Rattle Poetry Prize. And you can find more of her at Julie Price Pinkerton. It's kind of all how you'd expect to spell it, juliepricepinkerton.com. So find out more about her there. Now, as I mentioned, today's uh, guest poet is Sky Jackson. Um, Sky Jackson is a finalist for this year's Rattle Poetry Prize. Um, she was born in New Orleans, currently is an MFA candidate in poetry at the University of New Orleans uh, Creative Writing Workshop, where she serves as an associate poetry editor of Bayou Magazine. And uh, her book, A Faster Grave, was published by Antenna last year. And here it is. I'll put it on screen really quick. It's a beautiful book with wonderful artwork. This is um, A Faster Grave by Sky Jackson with artwork by Santos Calavera. And uh, here she is, Sky Jackson. Hey, Sky, how you doing? Oh, you're still on mute. Uh, yeah, unmute yourself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's no problem. Usually, as, as <laughs> veteran, you know, veteran viewers will know, usually it's me that forgets to unmute myself or somebody else. So it's no problem. At least it's not me this time. Um, <laughs> so uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited to be here and to read some poetry. I feel like it's been so long since I've gotten to read something. So I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to start us out with a poem? 
Sure, I'd love to. Um, let me just pull up my home. Have another window going going here. <laughs> um, the first poem that I'm going to read for you guys tonight is called Far Too Kind. I walk into the dining room and sit down as candles light up a thicket of white faces that surround me. Across the table, a lady smiles at me and says, God, I loved your book. It was so real. She talks as everyone else meddles with their slick Mandarin salads and listens. My mind is still outside, uptown on Peniston, and circles the block in search of a place to park. I flip my, my thick twists out of my eyes, check my teeth for the rearview mirror. I find a spot as a white woman draped in the shadow of a dark mansion across the street has stopped to watch me. Her platinum hair shines white as sin under the streetlights. Her gaze sharp like an elegant heel pinned into the nape of my neck. I lock the car door, turn to her and smile hello, but she doesn't respond, just stares. As I walk up to the house, fumble with the fence latch, still aware of that stare that followed me to the dining room table, that passed me the coke au vent, that poured another rush of Bourgogne into my glass, that crushed me with polite conversation. My hands shake slightly as I finally respond, thank you so much for reading. You are far too kind. Excellent. Thanks so much. That was Far Too Kind by Sky Jackson to warm us up. And Sky, um, I'm going to hang up and call you back really quick. I think um, the, the connection's a little choppy. So maybe if I call hmm. and hang up and call back, it'll be a little better. One second. Let me call Sky back really quick here. And I also realize I misspelled Burlington on her uh, name card. So let me fix that too. Let's see if that works. Hey, you're back. Uh, let me see. Hi. It looks a little better. Yeah. So I think there was some weird, you never know with the connections and stuff. And, and now is the time of day that everybody in your neighborhood's watching Netflix. So, uh, True. <laughs> so they kind of stuck. So I think we found a better route through. Um, yeah. But so that was far too kind that you started us out with. Um, and do you want to just explain a little bit how you got into poetry? Um, one of the things I, you have a, um, a law degree, a JD from uh, Mississippi state, I think you said, and, um, and, uh, yes. so, so how did you, like, what was it that got you from law into poetry? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, poetry has been, uh, a part of my life way longer than law has. Um, I started writing poetry when I was 14 years old, um, at the New Orleans Center for Creative Arts. Um, my mom actually enrolled me in the writing program, and at that time, I wanted to be a visual artist. So I was like, Mom, what do you mean? I, I, I draw, I paint, I want to be an art, you know? And she was like, no, you're a writer, you know? And, and I've kind of been writing poetry ever since then. Um, it's so interesting. And just kind of learning more about it as I, as I you know, went along. And then when I went to college, I creative writing and poetry and then after that I was but I was still working on 
poetry even in law school as well. So it, it kind of, you know, it, it follows me everywhere that I go and in everything that I do. Well, it's such a great thing, um, you know, like sort of a talent stack for a poet to have. I was thinking that, like, you know, everybody in the world will want to have you on their board of directors because, uh, you know, being a talented poet and, you know, having that kind of expertise. Um, is it is it entertainment law that you, you did? Well, you know, that was my main interest, um, entertainment law. I loved doing copyright and trademarks. And actually, that's why I moved to L.A., because I was fascinated with that aspect of of the law. Um, Right now, I've been working, you know, for a legal nonprofit, um, trying to help tenants uh, stay remain in their homes during the COVID-19 crisis and helping them to get access um, to grant relief. So that's kind of been my current legal um, framework is just kind of, you know, jumping into to help people that are really in need during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to read a couple more poems? Sure, I'd love okay. to. Uh, let's see. Let me pull up my little um, document here. Uh, so this next poem is called Umbrella. Just another day of relentless rain in New Orleans. I looked at the girl standing in front of my register for a long time, gray hoodie drenched. Her dark eyes refused my glance, but somehow the red paper carnation tied around her wrist, dry as a bone. She picked up an umbrella from a basket on the floor and walked slowly to the door. I stopped her as she stood one foot beyond the threshold. Are you gonna pay for that? I asked, trembling. She looked up at me, brown eyes endless as the earth, her skin deep brown as my own. She smiled at me through closed mouth and never opened her lips once to speak. She handed me the umbrella, tucked underneath her arm. The flower on her wrist opened slightly in the wind as she walked out into the slaughter of rain. Excellent. That was Umbrella by Skye Jackson. Um, And the next one I think that you wanted to read, let's see. Uh, There was one from the the book so we can show off um, from A Faster Grave. There were a couple from there, right? Yes, um, I'll skip ahead to some of those. Um, One of them is uh, called Blackbird Singing in the Dead. Um, I'll read that one. I've done a, I've made a few changes to it. (laughs) So (laughs) I'll be reading some. I'm working on my thesis Uh right now. So everything is moving around. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've heard uh, there's stories of, I can't remember who it was, maybe Robert Lowell or somebody who would go around to bookstores and add a, there's some comma that he wanted to add in uh, he would go around every time he found his book in a bookstore and he would hand write it in. So that's a long, that's gonna be long tradition. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know what? I'm just going to cut this out. I'm just going to add this and put that there. You know, it's like, you know, when do I'm done? You know, that's mm-hmm. something that always haunts me. I, I don't know when it's finished. You know, it's just abandoned, you know. <laughs> yeah. well, well, that is a good question. Like how, um, like how much do you work on a poem? Like how long and and is it like a, you know, what is your process like of writing a poem? Do you do you sort of do it in one sitting? Do you come back to it over and over and over again? And, or do you just tweak it a lot later? How, do, how does your writing process work? 
It just depends, you know. I'm really inspired by other people and situations and being out in the world. So COVID has really kind of interrupted my process a lot. You know, like I'm the kind of person who sits on the train or, you know, standing outside of the subway and I'm like putting a, you know, a poem into my uh, phone because of something I've heard someone say or something that I've seen, you know. And so, of course, right now those experiences are kind of like, few and far between um but it just kind of depends you know now it's kind of for me like watching uh movies or listening to music or having a conversation about a political topic or or something like that you know it's kind of become a little bit more restrained um but in terms of my writing process for poems it just depends Depends on the poem. Sometimes I'll write something and I'm like, okay, I think it's done. Like, I don't think there's anything else I can do to it. And then there's other poems that I'll keep working on for ages, you know, for like a year or two years, you know. I think sometimes for me, if it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't look at this poem anymore. Like, I just have to put it. I think to me, that's when it's kind of done. But then I might still go back to it, you know, in a few months or something Mm -hmm. once that's kind of like worn off <laughs> yeah well uh ben elshire's here and uh he says galway and i think i'm not sure if he means that it's galway canal that um was revising his poems in the books after the fact but uh but maybe oh. that's what that's who it was that i was thinking of um <laughs> but let, let's read this blackbird singing in in the dead and it's just i want to show off this artwork because it's such a beautiful book um a faster grave and uh, here it is, if, if everybody can see that the poem is on this page. And then um, there's these beautiful il- illustrations. Um, Thank you so much. Um, a little gray schnauzer is the one before. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we get these just, just great illustrations. Um, so why don't you read this? Then we'll talk a little bit about the book. Okay, sounds great. Um, I'll start with Blackbird Singing in the Dead. Last night outside my window... I heard a family of blackbirds crying restless in a paper nest. Then the little boy knocked on my bedroom door. He heard our dead brother moving round the attic again. I wonder, is Los ready for someone to cut him down? Dead brother, how dare you sway there just so? Little boy, don't take his hand. Let the rope burn remind you he is no longer of this world. There it goes. There it goes. Again, says the little boy. I swear he's up there. I swear he's calling out my name. I almost answered too. Heard him kick out the chair from beneath his own feet. Then the little boy looked at me his long brown fingers trembling and said, Dad didn't even know what his favorite song was, Sky. Do you think he knows mine, Sky? Do you think he hears mine, Sky? It's a powerful poem, Blackbirds Singing in the Dead uh, from A Faster Grave. And so so how did the um, the artwork of this book come to be? Um, um, so I, I had just moved, I had actually just moved back to New Orleans from LA and, um, I heard of a chat book, um, contest that, um, a local press was, was, um, facilitating, but, um, this, 
trick was that you had to work with a local artist and they had to supply you with art or poems. And so literally by the time I found out about this, it was like a week before, <laughs> before the submission was, you know, was due. And I was just freaking out. I'm like, how am I going to get 30 illustrations in five days, you know? And so luckily, um, uh, I knew an artist, his name is Angel Perdomo. Now I can speak his name. Um, <laughs> but he graciously agreed to last minute draw render these drawings um that you see in the book and I was able to just like throw everything together and submit it in time for the contest otherwise without his drawings I don't <laughs> know if it would have happened you know because I, I it was short notice so I'm really thankful to him and for the work that he did and also the graphic artists who did the layout and the color audrey o'connell i mean she just really just hit it out of the park i was really lucky to be able to work with two artists who really supported my vision and brought it to life in such a beautiful way yeah well it really it definitely did um and do, do you uh, do art yourself um somebody asked if that's your painting in the background behind you Oh, no, this is actually my boyfriend's painting. Well, he didn't paint this, mm -hmm. but it is his painting. Uh -huh. um, I, I'm, I actually used to paint when I was in college, and then I, and now I'm trying to get back into painting. Mm -hmm. So uh, my boyfriend bought me all of these art supplies, which I have yet to use. Uh, I'm setting up an art station as not to ruin furniture and carpets and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, but my hope is to kind of get back into painting and drawing because it's something that's, you know, has always been kind of important to me. So, yeah, I I am dabbling. I'll say I'm dabbling right now. <laughs> um, is is art like like what about art? Like what draws you to art? Like what what makes it makes you want to create? Oh, I love this question. Um I think it's the same thing that draws me to poetry, which is perspective. Um, I'm always interested in seeing things the way that other people see them. And so I think a painting is so intimate because you step into the shoes of the artist and you get to see the world or their vision as they see it. You know, there's something that's so that's so rich about that and something that deeply intrigues me. Um, and so I, I always find myself, I wish I could get to a museum, but now it's, everything is just so weird. Um, but I really am inspired by art and just walking around museums and taking notes and just, I, it's my favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I love, I love art so much and it, and it has such a profound impact on my work. Um, well, let's hear another poem. Okay. Um, should I keep reading from A Faster Grade? Yeah, that'd be good. We can show some more of uh, what's in here. Okay. Um, I will read The Little Gray Schnauzer because I think that's next. Okay. The Little Gray Schnauzer still waits in the empty kitchen. His silver head tilts impatient against a wave of fringe on the rug beneath the long, cooled stove, as though he expects at any moment that my mother will walk in with a bundle of lemons picked from the tree in the backyard, that she will set her gatherings down and stir brown sugar and cream together to make pralines, or that my father, prompt from the grocery, 
will hand her the butter she needs and that my brother will saunter in beautiful and wordless, the tails of camel coat trailing like attendants behind him to stick one ringed finger into the mixture, reach down to the floor and give him just one lick. The little gray schnauzer waits and I sit down next to him to wait. That was a little gray schnauzer from uh, A Faster Grave. Um, you mentioned living in New Orleans um, and growing mm -hmm. up there, which is just, to me, it seems like that's one of the most amazing cities, although I've never been to it, so I have no actual idea. But um, but a lot of things, like the way this book came together, there's a very New Orleans sort of feel to it. How do you think New Orleans has inspired uh, your, your art and what you do? Well, I I mean, New Orleans is always a part of me. Like, you can take the girl out of New Orleans, but you can't take the New Orleans out of the girl, you know? So it's, you know, it's ever present in my perspective and how I view the world. Um, and also, I'm just like really very Southern and I can't escape that. You know, I go to different places and people are like, oh, your accent. I'm like, I have an accent? Like, oh my God, oh my God, you know. Um, but New Orleans, you know, so much about New Orleans inspires me. It's a, it's a, it's a place of, that has like an endless cultural well that we can all draw from. And so that means from food, that means from art, it's from music, it's just from being outside, being streets and wondering what's gonna happen from, you know, just walking around and, and feeling the energy of the place. And that's something I think I try to bring to my work is a sense of, uh, of place um, and a sense of kind of being in a moment. And I think that's something about New Orleans that really has always stayed with me. When I'm in New Orleans, I feel very present um, in whatever situation that I'm in. And, I, and it's home, always gonna you know, feel like that. Um, it's really interesting, I think, to think about. That's a great question. <laughs> Yeah, well, I you know I'm one of those people who's never traveled much. I've barely leave my little small town. So um, the the thought of New Orleans it just sounds amazing, and uh, but I just have no idea. Um, let me say, if anybody has any questions for Sky, I'm following the chat windows on Facebook and YouTube. Um, so I'll pass along any questions you have uh, to Sky. So feel free to leave them there in either of those two places. Um, do you want to read another poem? Sure. Let me pull up my little document again. Uh, I don't think I put any more from A Faster Grave in here, although I can grab one of my books and keep reading from it if you want well, to. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask about was actually the um, the sky verbs, those little short poems. <laughs> I think those are so cool. Um, would you mind reading one or two of those? No, I don't mind. Hold on. Okay. One. Second. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so while Skye's uh, coming, going to get her book, um, sorry for everybody who's watching at home and the choppiness, it's just the, the Skype connection isn't very good today, but I think the audio works fine. So, um, you know, as, as always, the uh, Rattlecast is mostly recording a podcast. So uh, as long as the audio is good, I think we're good to go. Anyway, okay, Skye. So uh, what did you want to read for, for one of these? Okay, let's see. Hmm. Oh, there's so many. Uh, I really like, people really like lessons, so mm -hmm. I'll read that. I can read two of them. They're so yeah, little. Yeah, well, what, what page is that on? I just want to find it so I can show it for everybody. 
Lessons is on page 34. Okay. It seems to be one of the more popular poems of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Lessons. You call it heartbreak. I call it research. Sky verbs 412. It's so funny because I never really tend to read these poems <laughs> at readings because they're so short. So it's nice to like have the opportunity. Um, the next poem I'll read is called Little Moons, and that one is on page 23. Okay. Little Moons. Today I told that girl with the honey-colored, moon-shaped eyes, always remember, if you love a man, that you must also accept his shadow. Scribes, 316. Yeah, so I love these little ones, and um, th there's something there's something like punchy about about each one of them, and they're good advice too. Um, <laughs> so, so where did you come up with the, the idea for this? First of all, um, is that something that you you've been writing a lot of, or, or uh... no? You know, I just you know I think at the time when I was working on the, the, these particular poems, I had just started writing poetry again. I'd stopped for a series, and I was seeing I was just getting on Instagram and like seeing the Instagram poets and then I was seeing what Rupi Carr was doing and I was like hey I could do that <laughs> you know and so I think that's where the little short because I, I really don't tend to write you know in that style anymore but I thought that it, it looks cool you know it's short it's you know mm -hmm. there's something about it you know this kind of haiku-esque you know these little poems. Um, and I guess I verbs aspect of it comes from, I grew up in a very, very religious background. And so the Bible was a, like a daily part of my life. Um, and so I was, I was really inspired by biblical language because of the power that people put into it and the energy that people put into it, you know, and, and Proverbs and Revelations and all of these, you know, these, these chapters of the Bible, I think are, or the books rather, I think are so fascinating, you know, and I kind of, I guess what I was doing was trying to co-opt that, you know, for my own purposes and kind of, um, I guess, empower as an artist and as a writer by, by co-opting that religious kind of language or playing with it to some extent. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that made me think of, um, I was thinking about how we often describe poems as prayers. and mm. um, But then I also thought that for some reason that we also describe them as, as magic spells. Mm. And I've heard both, I think you mentioned that somewhere that I saw, uh, that, a, <laughs> that a poem is like a spell. And what do you think they're, they're more like? Because a prayer and a spell are sort of two different things. They're, they sort of have different trajectories or something. Do you think a, a poem is more of a prayer or a spell? I think they're, I think poems and I think that spells and prayers are the same because you're asking to get something, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, the, it's and then, and then, and it's both it's mystical. It's like, if I pray for this, will I get it? If I do this spell, will I get what I want? Uh, to me, it's the same. It's kind of the same thing, you know, but I think a prayer is like, it's like a less paganized way of like getting to that, you know, mm -hmm. like I, it's so fascinating. I'm so fascinated by that idea, you know, language, everything is so nuanced, but to me, it, it, it 
it's kind of the same thing, you know, because um, you're putting that energy, you know, if you pray, if you're a religious person, you're putting an energy into like manifesting something and you do the same thing if you're trying to, you know, mm-hmm. make a spell happen. So I don't know. I think they're kind <laughs> of like one and the same, <laughs> but I'm, that's, I'm up to debate that though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess a spell, maybe a, a prayer is your, your, um, you know, trying not to be overt about what you're praying for or something. And, you know, you're trying to appease somebody else instead of doing it directly. Um, I don't know. There's there's sort of a different intention, it feels to me. I don't know how to articulate it, though. But I was thinking about that earlier today as I was looking at the sky verbs. Are you still, do you still consider yourself a believer? Are you still religious? Yes, I still am. You know, I think when I was younger, I was I was way more religious than I am now. I'm I'm very spiritual. I pray, you know, all the time. You will go to bed. I'm praying, you know, I reading the Bible, you know. Um, And so it's something that's always a part of my life. You know, Um, it's just something that's kind of in my soul. And so I'm, I'm interested in in the way that human beings make themselves powerful or receive power from higher, from higher beings or, or try to understand that concept. And I think that's kind of comes through in my poetry sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, uh, well, let's hear a couple more poems. Um, what do we oh. have next? Should I keep reading from a faster grave? There's... Oh, it's up to you, whatever you, whatever you want to share. Okay, there's one that I really love to read oh, sure, um, from Pastor Grave. <laughs> okay. Um, it's on page 54. Mm-hmm. Speaking of religious, the poem is called Look Sky, Jesus Christ. Look <laughs> 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 um, Sky, Jesus Christ. When did you clock out on 1009? Oh, God, Bruno, it must have been at least 12.01 a.m., I forgot to punch out again. Stumbled into that Palm Springs pool breathless. My little body heavy from that dark wine. Threw off my bikini top somewhere between margaritas and midnight. Waited bare under that desert moon. Bruno, he stopped calling. So I'm back to question my own existence. I'm back trembling cold under those facid stars. What I'm trying to say here is that I'm sorry about my timesheets. Chuck always said, a lady knows when to leave. So I can't help but wonder what the hell that makes me. Look, Sky, Jesus, I just want to fix your timesheets. Tell me when you were supposed to clock out, please. Excellent. That was uh, Looks Guy, <laughs> Jesus Christ. A perfect segue into that poem. Thanks. <laughs> you must have um, planned that, Tim. <laughs> I think I did, actually. Um, yeah, so one of the things that um, I, I noticed, too, is there's a lot of humor in your, like, your poems sort of move around a lot of different spaces within them. And so there's funny parts, and then there's serious parts. Um, is that something that you do intentionally? Like, are you thinking about sort of keeping an audience entertained as you're writing? Or do you think, are you thinking about just keeping yourself entertained? Like, where does that, um, mm. where does that, that moving between different sort of emotions within poems come from? Because that's something that you seem to do a lot really well. I think 
you know, I'm always in the mood to make fun of myself, you know, and, you know, some of the poems in this book, like mom, this poem was inspired. I, it was back when I lived in LA and I worked for this estate sale company. And so I'd have to travel all around California, like going through people's closets and like going through their stuff. And there was one, and I was going through a breakup or something crazy. And that night I went I was like, I'm going to go to the pool at like midnight. And I go to the pool and I'm in the pool and my boss is texting me like, can you just fill out your time sheet? Like, it's midnight, I have payroll. And I'm like, oh, I'm in a, you understand my life, you know? And so it's kind of like just taking those weird, funny moments when life interrupts life and just making a poem out of it. Um, and so, yeah, it's something I think I've kind of gotten away from my poetry. My poetry now tends to be a bit more serious and I'm not really sure why. Maybe like, I don't know, because the state of the world is just, you know, mm-hmm. terrifying or something. I don't know. Um, do, do you think that yeah. might be um, the MFA influence maybe? Cause I noticed, you know, this Ooh. book came out before you entered, um, you know, grad school at um, New Orleans University. Is that where? At the University of New Orleans. University of New Orleans. Yeah. So this book came up before that. Do you think that's, has that changed your writing? Or how has it changed your writing, you think? Mm, That's a great question. The book actually came out when I was in, I think I was in my second semester. I think I I applied, I uh, submitted the chat book, and then it was accepted like my second semester of um, grad school. And so, you know, I think I think being in grad school has changed my work a lot because I think I I felt like when I was just writing on my own, I wasn't really exposed to what a lot of other poets were doing. And I wasn't really read other than, you know, being at the last bookstore and seeing Rupi Carr's book on the shelf. You know, I'm like, this is what people are reading now. You know, like I was so kind of removed from poetry at one point, you know. And so I think the the poems in this book feel very contemporary and like of a certain moment and style of poetry that was kind of happening at that time. And then, you know, I got into the MFA program and I started reading, you know, Lucille Clifton and Toy Derricka and all of these poets who just kind of awakened my mind. And I started kind of going in another direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I guess with the impulses of a faster grade, they're still always inside you know mm-hmm. they remain <laughs> yeah for sure um uh, betsy mars uh, just just comments a wonderful reading sky i don't know if you know betsy but um I, I, but you do do a great job of reading uh, what do you think um you know is is the place for for spoken word you know reading poems out loud versus um reading on the page mm, you know that's something that i think um i've heard a lot of debate about and you know, I try to think of them working in tandem so one of my professors at um, the University of New Orleans creative writing workshop Dr. Oshindare he always says to utter is to alter and so you know I think when we're talking speaking about you know, as an artist as a poet you bring the energy of what you're trying to convey into what you're reading because that kind of gives it power and it makes it powerful for other people so I try to to bring the same energy that I use to write the poem 
to, to read the poem, you know, and so I kind of try to like transfer that, you know, to get myself in that frame of mind, you know, so that it feels authentic to the piece and that other people can kind of can sense the tone, you know, of, of what I'm trying to convey as well. So I think they, they, they work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it is having the same energy as you were writing it. I hadn't really thought of it that way before of, of sort of re-inhabiting maybe the space that the, the poem was created in. Um, I'm going to hang up and call you back one more time because it's just it's getting a little worse. The choppiness. Let me try one more time to hang oh, up no. and, and call you back. OK, OK, maybe we'll get a better a better route through the interwebs. <laughs> sometimes this, this fixes the problem and uh, sometimes it doesn't. Let, we'll see. Hey, it's good. Let's see. Does this better? Hey. Okay, so so right now it's better. <laughs> okay, it's it seems fine over here. I don't know what is happening. Yeah, it's just a just some kind of um, you know, the way the uh, stuff's moving around the internet. You know, it's not not getting a lot of bandwidth. But um, what can Who you knows? do? But anyway, let's hear a couple more poems. Well, what did you want to read next? Okay, uh, let me go back to my little folder here. Um. Should I read Spoonrest Mammies now, or should I? I wonder when I have that like in the beginning of this packet. <laughs> yeah, once, but I'm not once sure. That's the poem that is uh, a finalist right now for the for the Rattle Poetry Prize. Yeah, Tim, I need your advice on how to win that. <laughs> well, know, I actually, we'll you know, to, to tell you later. the truth, I told myself that I shouldn't have anybody <laughs> as a guest until after the voting, and then I completely forgot and asked both you and Alexis Rotella <laughs> to be on the show. And um, and then I was like, oh, no. So so we have to, like, be neutral. At least me. you can. I can't control you, uh, but I have to be neutral and not not push the votes in any direction. So I will refrain from answering that. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, most people vote right away. So I, we have the most of the votes in already. So hopefully, you know, you can't influence it too much. That's my hope. That's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we shall see. Let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> well, guys, this is my poem, Spoonrest Mammies. I love this poem, and I am so excited that it was a uh, finalist for the Rattle Prize. And I'll read that to you guys now. Spoonrest Mammies. One. On Tuesday at work, my manager, a brown Latina married to a black man, approaches me. With a smile, she sets something down in front of me and asks, what do you think about these? I look down at a porcelain spoon rest shaped into the swollen figure of a mammy, her lips exaggerated and face dark like the bark of a dead tree. The dress painted Jemima red with a white apron tied chain taut around her waist. My heart races in its cage. After a second, I say, we shouldn't sell these. They are offensive. My manager purses her lips, sighs, and says, but they sell, my dear Sky. People buy them. Two. At the end of my shift, a Latina woman with frizzy, bleached blonde hair stands in front of me. She says, I'm from California, just buying these for my kids as a joke. They're going to be so mad, she says. They're going to be so mad I bought these. 
She hands me two of the mammy spoon rests, says, make sure you wrap them up good. I'd hate for them to break on the flight back home. So I protect them in paper and bubble wrap, carefully place each one in a plastic bag. You know, the lady says, your store shouldn't sell these. I hand her the bag, smile and say, but they sell. Three. Three weeks later, my manager hands me a cardboard box. I open it to all the spoon rest mammies gathered together. They smile up at me from the guts of the box. My manager says, I tried to donate them to Goodwill, but the guy accepting donations said, I won't sell these, but if you want, I can throw them in the dumpster out back. I'd be happy to do that. I call them spoon rest mammies, which is a, appears in rattle number 70 and uh, people can vote although i will not influence and not encourage anybody to vote for that poem but subs- <laughs> but but anybody who subscribes to rattle uh, there are 10 finalists and you can choose any of the the finalists you choose <laughs> um, but i love the nuance of that poem and um and it also the exact same thing happened in our in our not in our town but like down below in the desert there's like a route 66 kind of like rest stop and they had this whole display of those kind of, you know, black-faced mammy-type figurines and things. And it was the strangest thing because we, you know, people started, it was started to be a thing to like call and complain so they get rid of them. And the owner just said like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And and I was just thinking like, yeah. you know, can, is it possible to have no idea? Or, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and then, and so the nuances just come out in that, in this poem so well. Um, I assume like your poems, you're a poet who, who it feels like you're storytelling true stories. So I'm assuming <laughs> these are all based on true stories, but, um, um, yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's a very nuanced and, and, and excellent poem. I loved it. Thank you. I mean, the poem is based on a true story. It's, you know, um, when I was, I mean, I'm still in grad school, but. Uh, I think it was last year. It was before the pandemic, pre-pandemic life. <laughs> I was working part-time in a shop in the French Quarter. And, you know, that's kind of what inspired this poem. You know, I'm a black woman, you know, working in a predominantly black city and selling these these items that are just relics from the antebellum past. But, you know, those elements of the past are are still with us. You know, and like you said, it's so subtle. Some, I mean, well, I don't think it's subtle, but other people really notice the impact mm-hmm. of, you know, of those of those items, you know, and, and how they make other people feel. So I, I think it's really it's it's quite, you know, it's quite fascinating to think about and break down all of those layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that line. But they do sell or I think is what you said, you know, or when you when you know, when the, the speaker tells the person who bought them. Yeah. I hand her the bag, smile yeah. and say, but they sell. And they do, you know, is the thing. No, they do. And that was a conversation I had with my manager at the time. You know, I, she was like, I would like to get rid of these, but I sell a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, what do, what, do, what do we do? And I'm just like, I don't know, but this is wrong. Cause, mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, this is wrong. We shouldn't be selling these. But, you know, it's a business that wants to make money. So yeah, it's just... 
it's kind of it's it's very messed up Mm -hmm. um but so that poem is kind of like a condemnation of you know what capitalism forces us to do sometimes in order to survive Mm -hmm. you know and the position that sometimes it places other people in you know to participate in order to survive yeah yeah for sure um by the way i see on uh in the chat, don't worry, Ben is uh, is lobbying and, and bribing people for your votes right now. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ben. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, well, let's hear. Uh, what do you want to read next? We have Let's like uh, you know fifteen or so minutes, so whatever you want to, oh, wow. whatever you want to go to next. I know time, it's so fun. Time flies. But. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. What should I read next? Maybe I'll read the. Um... I'll read Can We Touch Your Hair? That's another one that will be coming out in a future issue of Brad. Okay, so honestly, I couldn't remember if it was Umbrella or if it was that one. Because <laughs> I like them both. I think you was that. Did you submit um, Umbrella to the Rattle Poetry Prize maybe too? I did. I remember reading yes. it and, and discussing it at a, at a meeting. So I, I couldn't no. remember which one we were publishing. I, was, I meant to look it up before. Uh, <laughs> but I really no. like that one too. Oh, thank you. Um, I is it still? I don't even. It might still be. I think it's still available if you want it, Tim. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> just let me know. Um, but yeah, those poems, Spoon Rest Mammies, um, Far Too Kind, and um, um, Umbrella, they're all like a, kind of a set. Mm-hmm. So I do remember submitting them all together. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, let's see. The next poem I'm gonna read. It's called "Can We Touch Your Hair." At the parades, everyone wants to touch my hair. On the corner of St. Charles and Marengo, I am cold and smashed and puffy AF. When two white women try to convince me that they love my hair, no, they really, really do, they say, because it is so black and thick and curly and soaking up all of the water in the damp air. The mousy one says, through an Alabama drawl, God, you can do so much with it. And her blonde friend says, you can't do a damn thing with mine, won't even hold a curl. She runs away to grab another friend and says to her, Stacy, isn't it even prettier than Macy Gray's? We just love her, don't we? They circle me and ask, can we touch your hair? Then suddenly, just like my ancestors long ago, I am pulled apart soft by pale hands from all directions. Yeah, another excellent poem, uh, Can I Touch Your Hair? And that's going to be in rattle number 71 this spring. Um, let me see if we have any questions. I want to. I don't want to leave the audience out. Let me scroll through. I haven't been doing a good job of that. Um, let me see. Well, one of the things I want to ask, I think I'm um, speaking of, you know, Ben being here, didn't you do, he was the first uh, guest on the Rattlecast. And um, didn't, didn't both of you do, like he does the um, typewriter, um, whatever you call it, where you um, go and write poems for people. Um, yes, and, the and didn't, poetry. You did that too, right? Um, for, I think you went, I think I remember you went to Paris and you did that in Paris. Is that, is that true? Yes, so Ben trained me. <laughs> I learned from the best. Um, and so I think I, I tried to start doing it when I was in Berlin, but I didn't really, 
I don't think I had the gumption yet, you know. I had just gotten the typewriter. Like, I don't know. And then I went to Paris and Ben kind of trained me about how to do it. And, yeah, and so we would go to Shakespeare and Company, which is, you know, this beautiful um, little bookshop in Paris. And um, Ben and I would kind of take shifts. Mm-hmm. So one day he might go or I would go or we go at the same day, but I might go into the bookstore and just read for hours, you know. Um, and I got to kind of, you know, see how people immediately react to poems, which is not something that poets really get to do. You know, we don't know how other people are reading our poems or what they immediately think of them. So to have that process happen in real time to have to create then give and then you know see the reaction was something that you know I think I still think about it when I'm when I'm writing poems now mm-hmm. you know yeah that's, so, that's yeah. exactly what what I wanted to ask about is it it's seeing the reaction of people um, right when they you know read the poem that you just wrote um, what did you learn from that process about writing you know in your poems that you you know you're publishing in your own books and things Mm, Is there something that you took away from that experience? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we tend to think that people are different, you know, and from traveling all over the place, it kind of shows me that people are the same, you know, like we have the same drives and the same pain and the same motivations and the same, you know, desires and so when someone comes up to you and they're like I want a poem about my best friend moving away you know it's like oh my gosh I remember when my best friend moved away but you know these are things you don't think about every day you know or um I remember there was one time a guy came up to me it was a father and a daughter and he said my daughter just graduated from high school and I wanted to take her on this night trip to Paris and I'm gonna miss her and I don't know how I'm gonna survive with her or not you know being around and so I wrote him a poem and he like cried and she cried and I was just like whoa I didn't know that like I could do that to other people <laughs> you know so it was very surreal but there's something really humbling about it like to get to to experience that moment and to get to experience you know other people sharing such intimate aspects of their lives with you mm-hmm. you know and trusting that to you for you to create something of with so yeah. 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 That's just so interesting. I don't know. I don't feel like I couldn't do it. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how you and Ben and the other people who do that do it. It's just, I mean, I don't know. Um, do you, do you end up with um, poems that you use elsewhere or, or is it all just you write it and then it goes away? Uh, sometimes it depends. Um, one of my favorite ones that I wrote was about, um, this uh, gentleman came up to me in Paris and he said he wanted a poem about fear. And I said, okay, what are you scared of? And he was like, oh, no, 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 not my fear. I want a poem about your fear. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you're really putting me on the spot. Yeah, you know? yeah. and, and it's, but it's one of my favorite poems I've ever written. And I, I don't think I've ever tried to do anything with it, you know, but it's, it's just, it sticks with me because I had to really dig deep inside of myself to think about what, was mm-hmm. you know so yeah sometimes it's you know it's, it's for other people it's for me it's kind of just a challenge like mm-hmm. okay can i do this can i write a poem about this thing um but it just kind of depends you know but it didn't occur to me but caitlin bucks my mask do you do you and ben speak french being in new orleans and and then going to paris for this was it all in english or was it in french um i do not speak any languages i wish i did it's like, like it's, I feel terrible 
but only speaking English, speaks Spanish, and he speaks a little in all languages, like Italian. Sometimes I know he writes poems that um, have French in them, you know, um, and I, I'm trying to think, I think he has written whole poems for people in French, mm-hmm. but not without great anxiety about <laughs> it. <laughs> but, you know, still brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one of the other things I want to ask you about is your um, style choice. You, you do, um, I think for all your poems, you don't capitalize any letters. Um, and there's sort of a straightforward, sort of simple style that goes through it. Um, is, is there a reason for that? Like, what, why, do you, why do you make that choice? Well, you know, I'm I'm in, kind of inspired by a certain group of poets like Lucille Clifton. That's kind of how everything was un, like uniform. There aren't, there's not a lot of punctuation. There's not a lot of capitalization. I love that style. I love the way it looks on a page. Like sometimes capitalized letters, just visually, I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I want that, you know. But you know, I read you know, Lucille Clifton or Toy Derricotte and the way that they kind of um, equalize punctuation or eliminate it and, you know, and the way, and it kind of forces you to to see how you can convey something without punctuation or without, you know, it's like, oh, can I communicate that this is where a stop is without actually putting a period, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's really kind of challenging. It looks simple, but it's challenging to do because if you do it wrong, people think it's just like one long continuous sentence, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. But if you do it the right way, then it's like, oh, okay, I, there's a pause here. There's a pause here. Great. You know? And so I don't know, it's kind of like a challenge to myself mm-hmm. um, to, to write that way. And also just being inspired by other poets. Um, that mentioning, um, you know, Lucille and Toy Derricot reminded me of a question earlier. Somebody asked who your favorite poets are. Uh, who are your favorite poets? Well, uh, of course, Lucille Clifton, Toy Derricot. I mean, Toy Derricot just kind of, you know, I came to her work when I was in grad school and it just like blew my whole world just totally open. I was like, oh my gosh, she's writing the kind of poems I want to write, you know? And as a poet, when you find someone like that, it's just like the most exciting thing, you know, that you can experience because you're like, I'm not alone in this crazy world, you know? I'm not just making things up, you know? And so Toy is, she's such an inspiration. And fun fact, she, I workshopped Spoon Rest Mammies in her workshop. Mm -hmm. And she is, she gave me the idea of making that the title because it wasn't always Spoon Rest Mammies. So she played a huge part in this poem. (laughs) Um, And I'm so grateful to her for that. Another favorite poet of mine is Michael Brown. I just, everything is just so, He's just so amazing. It inspires me so much. Ben and I have a picture of him, like, in our living room. We're just like, yes. Like, when I'm working on poems, I'm like, I can do this, Jericho. <laughs> you know, like, but he's just such a to me personally. I, I love his work so much. And he's such a generous, kind person. And I just aspire to be like him in so many ways, like, on the page and off of the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and mentioning Toy Derricot, um, that that actually I think is Alan's favorite interview. He says it all the time. I never got to meet her. He went to um, I think she lives in Philadelphia, and um, or, I, I think can't Pittsburgh. Where. Pittsburgh, yeah, that, yeah, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, yeah, and it's just it's an issue number thirty one. If anybody wants to um, have some insight, but she was just so open and um, 
just a wonderful person. So many great stories and just such a, you know, heart on her sleeve type type personality. Uh, it's a really, it's a great interview to read. Um, oh, I have to read. I love her so much. She's so amazing. Just, oh, like the wisdom mm-hmm. that exists within her is just too precious for this world. Yeah, yeah. Literally. She, she definitely is. I wish I'd, I'd gotten to meet her, but I, I didn't fly out on that trip. But, oh, well. <laughs> um, well, there's just a little bit of time left. Do you want to um, read maybe two more poems if you want um, okay. to finish it off? I think. Let's see. Yeah. Now, what did you have left that you wanted to read? Let me see what I have left in my little packet here. Um, I'll read two more poems. Uh, the first one is a kind of recent poem that I wrote, and it's called The Boys with Dead Mothers Get Better with Time. The boys with dead mothers get better with time. The white boy in law school eluded me. Like a flash of light and murky, hid me away in study rooms. Or his parents' Mississippi mansion, like a letter supposed to be read. Or when I asked him about the book in his car, the goldfinch, after we spent the night together, he told me it was about a boy in a painting, not a boy and his dead mother. How years later, it would all make sense. In L.A., the boy with the dead mother begged to leave him the first night we met. Over Louis Armstrong and wine, he kissed me and just said, stay. In New Orleans, the boy with the dead mother tells me that he missed his mother's gravy at my parents' house this past Thanksgiving. He asked me if we can roast a chicken to replicate the thickness of the sauce. The way she smeared seasoning all over the chicken. The way he and his father fought over the bacon she laid tender over the breasts like blanket. Why do I love boys whose mothers are dead? What am I hoping that they see in me? What am I hoping that they don't? Excellent. And that was um, the boys with dead mothers get yeah. better with time. Um, before you read the last one, let me just ask one, one last thing. This is, I assume these are from the manuscript you mentioned working on for your thesis for the MFA that you're doing. Yeah. Um, what is that book um, you know, called and, and what are the, the themes of it? You know, (laughs) that's, you know, these are things I'm working on. I don't really, I, the name is in flux. I'm trying to get that down, you know, right now I'm calling it, I must tell you, but that's probably going to change. I'm only like in my first draft of it right now. Um, I'm thinking of calling it Dear Editors um, because there is a poem um, that I wrote this past summer, um, kind of in response to a Facebook post that another poet, Raymond Antrobus, made about because of the Black Lives Matter movement and because of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, a lot of editors were approaching Black writers and asking them like, oh my gosh, what's your perspective on this? Can you give us something on this? Can you give us something on that? We want to like do this, this, and that, you know? Mm -hmm. And his perspective was that, you know, he was like asking Black artists to relive trauma just for the sake of publishing something you know in this moment is just not productive you know I was really inspired by that you know I was just like whoa and so I wrote this poem called Dear Editors that addresses you know a kind of addresses his address Mm -hmm. um and so I'm thinking of calling it Dear Editors but I'm not sure yet 
Um, the tone of the piece is really inspired by that, um, by the Black Lives Matters movement. It's inspired by, you know, po- police brutality, violence, um, you know, against black bodies. Um, it's inspired by family, by change. Um, it kind of takes some of the themes that are lightly touched on in A Faster Grave and expands upon them. Um, and so those are, you know, some of the themes that are kind of, you know, being being played with with that manuscript mm-hmm. um, right now. But it's like I said, it's still in flux, so it may change some more. <laughs> well, I, I'll just say I like that, dear editors. I think that that'd make a good title. I could see it for sure. Okay, okay. I'm, I'll try to submit that to my <laughs> thesis advisor, and hopefully, she'll agree with you. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you want to uh, finish up with? Uh, let's see. Okay. Um, I'm going to read a poem I haven't read in a long time. It's called hashtag Medusa was black y'all. Perseus hold my dead lips up close to your ear. Let me tell you a secret with split tongues. Once long ago, Poseidon held a fistful of my black locks just like this. On the floor of the temple, fingers pulling at my scalp, he inhaled me, my body soft from lavender and holy oil, my robes cast off and torn, spilled down over the altar, and the candles dimmed in respect of my shame, my brown skin somehow paled in the fading light. The last thing I remember before the snakes came, before my body was lost, both to the sea and to knowledge, a reflection of myself in the eyes of that cruel God, the imprint of his hands hot and red as the sea on my neck, the chill of them first touching my face. The press and dead fish stink at salty mouth Lips rough and cold as the jagged rocks of the deep against my my collarbone. Picture a girl built pretty like a temple, only to be destroyed. Be kind. You are looking at ruins further ruined. What I mean to say is that the swift kiss of your sword on my neck is not unfamiliar, Perseus. I have tasted the sharp, quick pain of a man before. Excellent poem. And that was um, hashtag Medusa was black, y'all. Um, yes. Yeah, by Sky Jackson. <laughs> Thanks so much for being a guest today, Sky. And good luck with your thesis coming up. Um, <laughs> I need it. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think you do. I do not think you do. I think this is going to be a great book that's going to be published uh, sometime in the not too distant future. Let alone uh, winning your master's degree. Um, so, um, good luck Thank with that, you. though. And and thanks for being a guest. It's wonderful talking to you. Always uh, just such a fun person to, to be around. Oh, thanks, Tim. I really appreciate that. Um, let me ask before you go. I, I didn't. I only listed the books um, URL on on the in the show notes. Do you have social media that you use? I know you're on Facebook because we're Facebook friends. Do you use yeah. other social media um, that people can find you at, or um, 
Yes, I um I'm on Instagram. My handle is at Sky in the City, S K Y E oh, in the right. City. Yeah, okay. I remember that now, but I don't use Instagram much. So. <laughs> And my website is www.skyjackson.com. I'm new to Twitter, mm-hmm. but my um, my Twitter handle is the same as my uh, Instagram, at Sky in the City. Uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I'll add the uh, the website to the show notes. I'm, I, it didn't come up when I, when I looked for it, but, um, but I'll, I'll add that to the show notes where we can click through really quick. Uh, but thanks again, Sky. It's always great, great seeing you. Thank you for everything, Tim. I really loved being here and with all of you. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Guy. Good night. Good night. Okay, yeah, and that was Sky Jackson uh, with her newest book. I'll put it on the screen one last time. This is um, from Antenna. Oops, let me move that down too. It's from Antenna Press, A Faster Grave. And you can find um, that book at antenna.works is the website. Um, antenna right there and you can find sky jackson i guess at skyjackson.com which is sky um s-k-y-e jackson.com so so find sky there i'll put that in the in the show notes too now we're going to move on to the open mic portion of the show and um how to participate in that is uh, the numbers are on screen right now so if you have a poem we have a prompt every week and the prompt this week was to write a poem uh, t- entitled Astronaut without using any kind of space words. So if you did that, feel free to share that poem. Um, but you don't have to. It's a totally open, open mic. And we're going to take a, um, a meet with uh, Bill McConnell, too, from um, Whole, Life's, or Whole Life Soaps. Yeah. And uh, talk about the Soap Coup winner that he chose this year, which we published on Saturday. So we'll get a little, a little talk with Bill McConnell, too, in this open mic section but if you'd like to share a poem of any kind either for the prompt the astronauts or um for any kind of poem you'd like to share just email it to open mic at rattle.com all one word and after you do that that way i can show it on screen as you read then call in 818-850-7727 like right now or, or anytime let it ring a few times and i'll just call you back within the next hour if um and I go in the order that people uh, call in, and I'll make sure I get to uh, first-time callers first. Um, if you'd like to be on video, that's even better. And uh, just send me a chat message over Skype to Rattle Poetry, all one word. That's Rattle Poetry. Over Skype, just send me a chat message in the same thing. I will call you back. Uh, two things to know um, that there's a delay, about 30 seconds, so it gets confusing. So make sure you shut off your stream when I call you. And you have to have the poem with you to read yourself because you can't read it from this dream because it won't be at the same time as you are reading it. So uh, that's all the instructions. We'll see you in just a minute. Um, I'm going to take a little break to just stretch my feet and uh, you know stand up so I'm not sitting here for two hours straight. And let me tell you in the meantime that uh, next week's guest is going to be Marjorie Lotfi. Um, her newest book is Refuge. And... Um, she also is um, the founder of something called Open Door Books, which um, does um, a lot of poetry workshops in the community around Edinburgh, Scotland. And uh, we donate books to, to that all the time. It's a wonderful program. We'll talk a lot about that. We'll talk about her, um, her two books. She has two, they call them pamphlets in the UK, um, Refuge and, and her uh, older one. But note the time, Tuesday, January 5th. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time, noon Pacific time. It's six hours ahead of the normal time because Marjorie's in the UK 
and the, there's a time difference and we don't want to have, to have her do it at 2 a.m. So uh, we'll be seeing Marjorie on Tuesday, January 5th at 3 p.m. Eastern time, six hours ahead of time. So I'm going to just stretch my legs for a minute, get a, little, a couple things set up, and I will be right back for the open lines. Okay, see you in a minute. And we're back. Thanks, everybody, for, for your patience and letting me stand up. And, and uh, you know, how is I tend to sit with my foot underneath my leg and it falls asleep every episode. So having a little break allows me to do that. Also allows me to uh, get some stuff set up. Um, now, as I mentioned, the prompt for this week was um, Astronaut. Or write a poem entitled Astronaut. Let me pull this up. Here was the, the official prompt. I'll read the whole actual thing as it actually goes. Um, it was, write a poem titled Astronaut, avoid using the words space, spaceship, stars, moon, rocket, or planet. So that was this week's prompt. If you have one, please do send in your poem now, and, and I'll um, you know read it online, uh, on the air, if you call in. Or I can read it if you uh, can't make it yourself. So email it to openmic, all one word at rattle.com that's open m-i-c and we have a whole bunch of poems lined up so we should be really good to go this should be a, a great open mic uh, i'm looking forward to it let's look at um let's look at what what we did um this is uh my poem and this is the astronauts and this is a true story we had a big snowstorm last night and that inspired this poem here the astronauts here you go the astronauts Late nights after heavy snow, I walk the impassable streets with a dog off-leash. Nothing moves on the mountain. Even the plow must be stuck down below. No wind once the cold fronts passed. No sound but the dogs bounding through the distant banks of a blue-white river that had once been the road. He's sniffing for a place to pee. But every scent is buried, too, under a foot of frozen powder, and he's floating through a blank page of his universe, nothing written but the stars of our eyes and the moon. And that is my poem, The Astronauts. And this is a photograph of our town. This, is, this was actually what inspired this was me walking last night. This isn't a photograph I took. This is um, Victor, our mechanic, um, posted this on social media. I figured I'd put it up anyway. Um, this was taken at 1 a.m. last night with no flash. That's how bright the, um, the, the moonlit snow was last night in our town. And then uh, here's Megan's poem for the prompt. We have The Astronaut by Megan. Catastrophizing, the therapist says, the S and PH hissing like an oxygen tank. I can't hear Soaring as I am, helmetless, past the blue-crusted atmosphere, into the breathless black drear, where what-ifs glitter like the dust of bigger things, things I could touch if not for this gear. The bulk and heft of being human, my suit, I watch these cosmic crumbs become clear beneath my telescope, teem with a kind of life that can make whole ecosystems disappear. The therapist's clipboard is a lasso, but even with a good aim, I'm a hundred miles away from here. How silly sanity looks from a distance, a child playing pretend. How small it can appear. How easy to believe in what falls upward 
How Limitless the Pull of Fear. That was Megan's poem, The Astronaut. And um, as always, hers is better than mine. I think in my honest expert opinion, I beat her one month or one one week out of the uh, 50 or so we've been doing a prompt poem. Um, And this was not one of those weeks. But let's see, uh, let's go to the open lines. And there's a whole bunch of people here, which is always fun. Um, So I'm accepting some requests from new folks. And um, let us call first. Uh, I'm just going to go in the order of that they were received, but from um, new people. So here, first we have a 941 number. So I will call up 941 first, and we'll see who that is. And the phone's ringing now. Hello. Hey, this is Tim with Rattle. Did you want to share a poem for the open mic? Yes, I might. Yeah, you are on the air right now, but you can take a second to pull it up. We're in no rush. Oh. <laughs> uh, Hello, <but> everyone. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Who, who am I talking to, and, and where are you calling from? Um, my name is Vicki Emmel, and I am currently a student at, in the Creative Writing Workshop at the University of New Orleans. Ah, excellent. And, and did you send the poem over to us? Um, I did. Okay, let me um, try to find it as you try to find it. Yeah, it is called um, I Stopped By to Say. So it should be in the subject of the email. Ah, here we go. Okay. I stopped by to say, I have it whenever you're ready. Okay, thank you. All right, I stopped by to say. Take me where the earth runs red and lay me beneath a slender pine tree, one bereft of branches. Mix milk in the copper clay, paint me head to toe. Geometric equations that explain how I lost you. Promise me you'll pluck my teeth and wear them on a string that slides between your breasts while you smash the china I left at your house accidentally. Finger the sandpaper edge of my tongue while you arc back as she makes you come. Kiss me with her clit on your lips so I can taste what I am missing. Your eyes scalpel black slice the grainy pane of her back window. I lick my thumb to trace the imprint of your palm, sweat sweet, but you turn away, draw the shades dark. Tell me again how we used to laugh, throat deep after midnight, too drunk to sleep, too awake to think this would last. Tell me what it felt like when we slept in the desert during that freak rainstorm, corner stacked our bags and played king of the hill as the lightning struck, the sky a punctured fruit. Excellent. Thanks so much for sharing that. That was Nikki Ummel with uh, the poem I Stopped By to Say. Thanks for sharing that and calling in, Nikki. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Good night. Good night. Okay, let me um, really quick. We're going to go to um, Bill McConnell in just a second. Let me call up somebody who, let's say, I'm trying to see somebody who has a, a short from the prompt poem really quick. Um, let's call up uh, Brent Brent Stoffer really quick. We could do it. Do a quick Brent. Hey, Brent, how you doing tonight? To get the. Uh... Yeah, the, the everything worked. The electrons yeah, have doing, to be I'm flowing. Doing yeah, yeah. So you have a prompt poem for yeah. us, astronaut. Uh, anything you want to say about it? Yes, I do. Um, well, it's it's um, it's supposed to be about the flow state, the flow state. The flow that, state. Um, okay. That like um, rock climbers and 
get into and and uh, jazz musicians or just musicians in general. And sometimes when you're writing, it's that 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 thing where you um, well, I don't know. And I I did it. That's a terrible job of describing it. <laughs> no hopefully the poem. Hopefully the poem is a little bit better at it. So okay. Okay. Well, I'll let's just, hear it. I'll let's hear it. it. All right, astronaut. <clears throat> Sailing on the invisible wave of some furious solar flare, I pass over Jupiter's great storm. I lean into the trembling body of my upright double bass as the resurrection symphony begins to stir. From Mahler's mind and pen, the notes flow into our hands. I pluck a rock from Saturn's rings and tuck it into a tuxedo pocket, picking up speed beyond the familiar. The bow's black camel hair tugs the gut of the strings into proud, brisk song. Each of us bass players disappear into the unfolding opening music. Goodbye, little Earth. Excellent. The astronaut, thanks. For, do you play the bass? Yeah, yeah, I do. Awesome, yeah. awesome. And uh, so it uh, it was a nice dovetailing of, of interests. There. Well, that's perfect. Well, thanks for sharing that tonight, Brent. All right, thanks a lot, Jim. Yeah. Great show, by yeah, the way. Yeah, my, yeah, have a good one. Yeah, bye. bye. Yeah, that was Brent Stauffer with Astronaut, his prompt poem. Um, let me go to... Now, we're going to go to Bill McConnell. Here we go. Let's call it Bill. And now, um, so every year, I'll just explain this a little bit. Um, for the Wrightwood Literary Festival... Well, actually, Bill's coming in quick, so let's. he's coming in hot. Let's see. Hey, Bill! <laughs> How you doing? I was about to explain uh, what this was and why uh, you're on here, but then you, you popped up so quick. I guess it's because you're only like two streets over or something. Yeah, probably so. But, yeah. Um, Good yeah, So just so everybody knows, um, every year for the last, I think, five years, is this the fifth year of it? Or, um, yeah. The, uh, for the Wrightwood Literary Festival, usually, we have this um, Whole Life Soap Haiku Contest, which was the brainchild of Bill McConnell here. Um, it's part of the literary festival. So people, originally people had to be at the festival and they would write a haiku and put it in a little fishbowl and then we'd take it over to Bill and he would pick one. Um, and then the winner ends up printed on a bar of soap every uh, for sale next year at Whole Life Soaps here in Wrightwood. And, um, and, and then like maybe two or three years ago, you opened it up to everybody in the world and now you get entries from all over the place. Um, can you just explain a little bit what, what inspired this contest and, and the idea of, of printing um, a haiku into a bar of soap? It's, it's the coolest contest I've, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with, so I want to uh, promote it every year. Well, um, I've always been a big proponent of the arts and can you hear me yeah, okay? You're good. Yeah, Okay, all right. Yeah, I've, I've always been a big proponent of the arts and... Um, and, and when the literary festival started coming around, I was just really curious how I could get involved. And I thought it would be just really neat to have something that could fit on the size of a bar. So, you know, something that's about three by four inches and, um, and, and, and just allow people to have like a little takeaway or a keepsake that has their, has their uh, words and their, their artistic expression on it. And so I thought, why not a haiku, a haiku, you know, you know, anywhere from two to four lines captures that image it, it fit nicely and it just was something that kind of kind of took off you know um, I think um, another resident up here Joan McCandless she was really kind of important in pushing it through and um, you know and it's just kind of a, a, a cool uh, opportunity for local writers or even writers who aren't local mm -hmm. now to just you know throw their 
throw their uh, words into the hat, so to speak. You know? Yeah. So the deadline, I think the deadline was September 31st this year. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do it every uh, September, so just the entire month mm -hmm. of September. Yeah, so. and you just email it yeah. to Whole Life. Um, go to wholelifesoaps.com for more information and, and all this stuff, too. But Joan McCandless, who you mentioned, led, leads a haiku hike um, along with Deborah Kalaji, who uh, we, we published in Rattle, a haiku poet. And that was sort of the, you know, that, that was where a lot of the early early ones came from, was those haiku hikes that, that Joan did with um, with uh, with Debbie Kalaji. Um one thing I've always wondered, and I never never asked you, is um, what do the uh, the customers think of having poetry on their soap? Do they, do they get a kick out of it, or are they just confused, or they, how how does that work? <laughs> no, they always they always ask, "What is this for?" And so I always tell them about the contest because I'm like, "It's free to enter. You can enter." You know, I mean, I, I tell anybody that, but um, they think it's a a pretty neat thing. Um, you know, uh, th when they look at it, they go, "Hey, this this is like a real." They're like this. This really expresses like a really cool feeling, or they love. Like a couple of years ago, we had one that was uh, about cherry blossoms. That was one of the winners, and and they they just like the the imagery that goes with it. And they said this really matches the soap well, you know. So so it's kind of for them, it's kind of a cool thing. Not everybody catches on to it, but um, but you know there are a lot of people who do appreciate it, you know. So yeah, and it's cool that the the as you use it, the so the, the haiku sort of fades away, like one of those you know Zen boards or whatever they call them, where the where the art fades. There's something sort of I don't know, like it like it ephemeral about it too. That's really neat. It's a good combination. Yeah. Um, do you want to share a few of your favorites that that were submitted this year? Sure. Let me get to my page here. Yeah, and I have okay. to say, this is uh, wholelifesoaps.com, and if you um, if you go to Rattle's website, you can find the links to this specific page, or at the top of Whole Life Soaps, go to the soap blog, and it's up there at the top. So, okay, all right, I will. Um, you know, like when I when I read these, I, I I'm attracted to language, and so that's a lot of what I look for in the winners is how interesting they are with language, and and you know how well they pay attention to the theme. Oh, and everybody should know um, too sure. that you're an English teacher as well as um, being a, yeah. a, a soap artisan. Yeah. 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 I have been for, uh, this is year 25. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's good times. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I'll read you uh, number five from Sophia Sterone or Sterone. I'm not sure how she pronounces that. I apologize if I didn't get it right, but a nebula looms, helices of stardust stray morphing into men. Um, and when, and when I read that and I thought about transformation, I thought that's just it, it, it latches onto my anthropological roots, you know, and so that one really rang to me. Um, another one, and I agonized over this one. This one was almost the winner. This is number two. It's by S. Heine. The tree in winter holding a delicate yoke between chopsticks. And I just thought, how perfect the two branches without leaves capturing the sun. You know, that was just such a, a beautiful image to me. So that one almost won it. Yeah, I love that one too. Uh, yeah, th those are the two that I would have struggled. It reminds me, looking at how you did this, it reminds me of uh, me doing the Poets Respond news uh, poems every week. There's always like a few that I just love and then I have to figure out, you know, which one of the few wins, but there's a whole bunch of good ones. Yeah. Um, let me read you the winner. This was Christina Tang Bernas and... Um, says matter is never lost i eat the fruit of the tree you are buried beneath you know and I th it's a simple image but it really captured that transformation and nature theme which is what we were writing about this year and so um that that to me was the winner and it really spoke to me and i i thought she did a great job so you know and for people who who want to enter next year uh, what what are you looking for and, and what do you have any advice for for people submitting haiku well 
Yeah, I do. I uh, read a couple of books about haiku, you know, um, or or even if you don't want to read a book, um, read some haiku and see how how the pause and the turn work. You know, there, there's there's a trick to a haiku and each line has to present an idea or a contrasting image. And, you know, and usually that that third line is a commentary on the entire thing. It's kind of like, you know, when you think about writing um, sonnets and, and, and how there's the twists and the turns between the, the different uh, quatrains and things like that. But um, haiku, because it's a limited space, every every line matters, every word matters. And so I would suggest reading haiku. Um, I would suggest um, going out into the nature into nature and just observing the natural world and 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 writing about that in haiku form. Um, play with adjectives. Um, get rid of ordinary language. You know, those are things I would suggest. And and just just look for something that's interesting and be a good describer of it. That's that's what I would suggest. So. Yeah, great advice. And um, and we'll definitely be doing it again next year, hopefully with a literary festival to go along with it. It was canceled for COVID yeah. this year, but but maybe there'll be enough uh, vaccinations and, and things that, that we'll be able to have it in person. I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I, I, I hope so. But regardless, this contest is going to go on. And, um, you know, regardless of whether the festival has to be postponed another year, we'll still have it, you know, and um, there's always that little cash prize to the winner too. And that's always just a little nice bonus as well. So, you know, and I'd like to thank Rattle this year for partnering with us and, and helping to make that happen. So that was uh, very kind of you to oh, do yeah. that. And, always you know, always so. my pleasure, Bill. And thanks for being on today and, and sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thank have you. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Yeah, so it's Bill McConnell from Whole Life Soaps. Um, here's the screen again. This is the Whole Life Soaps website, um, and you can find all 20. Uh, Bill listed his favorite 20 of the 612 he received this year from all over the world, um, and you can find it there at wholelifesoaps.com. So thanks to Bill for joining us today, and um, I probably picked the wrong week to do this because there's so many people on the open lines, um, but Bill just finished up the soap for this year, so I wanted to... Uh, share it with everybody but let's get to some of these new callers this is um eva um zymet i'm hopefully i'm saying that right let's call up eva hey is this there... is tim with rattle um and i hear myself in the background can you mute your mute that video stream and i'll i'll unmute you again there can you mute i still hear that in the background can you mute that oh there it goes okay perfect Okay. Excellent. And that's Zymet, Eva Zymet. Thanks so much for... Uh, for Zimit. Zimit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Eva Zimit. So you have an astronaut poem. Hang oh, on. I still um, hear myself. Let me... I'll just mute you again while you figure... Yeah, so there's the Skype, and then just shut off any other window besides for Skype. I, um, did I mute the right one? That's good. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So you. So it was a prompt poem for you, too. Um, and this is astronaut. Is there anything you want to say about it before you share? Um, uh, that, uh, it was, it, mm, not really, it was a, a tangent. Mm -hmm. I, I took kind of a, a tangent off of the idea of, uh, astronaut. So. Excellent. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's a prompt that where you sort of have to take a tangent. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what it was. Let, let's hear it whenever you're ready. Okay. Astronaut. Yes. Thanks. I would like that. I would like to be described as a singularity, an undefined point that ceases to be well-behaved mathematically. As a singularity, I share area, 
but meander and frolic and flirt on the horizon of events. Who are you to say I don't? You can't see me anyway, although by all accounts, I am not undetectable, just unruly and very, very powerful. Approach me, will you? Know me, will you? I trust you to believe that, to thrive on curiosity, as you say, but what you do is list properties, call them yours, and sign your name. Excellent. That was Eva Zimmet with uh, Astronaut. Thanks so much for calling in and sharing that, Eva. Glad, glad to have you on our, uh, our call list. Great. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Good night. Okay. Yeah, that was Eva Zimmet. Let me, uh, there's so many people on the list. Let's see. I'm trying to go in the order of uh, they were received among the new people who haven't uh, haven't called in yet. So let me, uh, we have a 919 number. Let's try 919 and see who that is. So the phone's ringing now. Just waiting for uh, 919 to pick up. Hmm. Well, we'll try 919 again in just a little bit. Let's go to instead... Claire Walsh. Claire Walsh. I know I saw that on the submission list. Yeah, or Welsh. Claire Welsh, sorry. Hey, Claire. I uh, Make sure you mute, mute the uh, video stream and I'll pull you in. Hey, Claire. Good to see you. Oh, I think you might be on mute. Oh, hi. Oh, there can you, you hear are. Me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. So where are you calling from, Claire? I think you're, this is the first time we've uh, you've been on the open mic, right? Right. So I am calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And um, I went to school with Sky and I'm friends with Ben and they were like, check this thing out. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I will. So it's been great so far. Awesome. Great. Well, it's so fun to have friends of the you know featured poet to be sort of joined together with the episode too. So it's, I'm so glad you could call in. Uh, what do you have to share for us? This is what they mean. They say, what they mean when they say princess? Um, is there anything you want to say about it before you, uh, you share? Um, so I didn't know that there was a prompt, so I just sort of set oh, no, my mind. No, yeah, there's a, there's a prompt for like the regulars who you know want a prompt every mm-hmm. week, but then we have an open mic, so you can share whatever you want. So this is perfect. Right. So um, I think I'll just go right into it. Okay, cool. I'll put it on screen for everybody. Go ahead whenever you're ready. Great. <clears throat> what they mean when they say princess. Someone has to die before I kiss your hand. And it won't be me. So I waited, sucked sea salt caramel, and listened to every Diana conspiracy. The flashing light, the white fiat, the photographer, and his suicide. Only to conclude beauty does not save us from humiliation. Only inflates the price per each bulimic tooth, belly curve, and blood trickle sprung from our crowns, our dead hair. You are a child. To say this justifies abuse implies children deserve abuse. I imagine your lips as silent mirrors. They confuse projection with imagination. In Aztec lore, the black mirror reflects not only the viewer, but the object, a phone screen turned off and suggesting another endless face. I am insulting your boundaries 
by calling them feminine. In the end, the castle is beautiful. The barbican, like a closed mouth, beautiful. The alligator spine splitting, the moat's reflection, beautiful. The berm, battlements, and batter, beautiful. The batter braced for battering, you see, all beauty is functional. Comically, you are working class and too tired to clean the dishes. I have always looked out the window and wished life were different. If I forget to shave, someone will notice. If I forget to laugh, little myself, a plate will break. The mice in the house know what mice know. How to slide along walls, collect crumbs, keep out of sight. They watch me open a weave of ramen noodles. They watch me when I cannot watch myself. I have never been seen like this. So large, I block out the sun. I pray I never possess the power of a god or a man. That all myths vanish to bright distance. Excellent. Thanks so much for sharing that. I love that line, mm -hmm. imagine your lips as silent mirrors. That was what they mean when they say princess. Thanks so much for mm -hmm. sharing that. Excellent poem. Thank you. I hope you call again soon sometime. Yes, indeed. Have a good yeah, night. You too. <laughs> Thanks. And that was Claire Welsh with uh, what they mean when they say princess. Uh, let me call up. Let's see who should be next. Um, let me try this four, 504 number. We'll see. And so if anybody, you know, people, uh, I'm calling from the 818-850-7727. So if you uh, get a phone call from that number, that's who it is. Let's see who we Hello. have here. Hey, this is Tim with Rattle. Did you want to share a poem? Hey, Tim, how you doing? Great. Who am I talking to? This is Ben. Ah, excellent, Ben. So glad we could hook up. Um, what do you have for us? I, I read it before. I showed it's, it. Um, it's probably the only speculative Pac-Man nocturne of the evening. <laughs> I think that's probably the only one, yes. Speculative Pac-Man nocturne. Is there anything you want to say about it before you read it? Uh, no, it's, just, it's a very new thing, you know. Uh-huh. Awesome. Well, go ahead. Go ahead whenever you're ready. Speculative Pac-Man Nocturne. Let's say you're a simple man, and all you want is to gorge yourself on fruit and follow a vanishing ellipsis to the darkling labyrinth of your youth without being hounded by the specters of everyone you've had to leave behind while your mouth moves up and down like you've got something to say. Let's say your skin is the color of cowardice. Let's say you have a knack for sudden reversals. Let's say you're your own minotaur. Let's say you die a thousand deaths trying to gobble every moon-colored pill you see until you begin to question the efficacy of pills because every time it's precisely the same. You wake alone and start running away. Let's say you dream of out-sprinting the dead with someone by your side. Let's say you dream her into being and ta-da! She has a red silk bow in her hair, which matches her lipstick and her eyelashes. She has eyelashes, too. Feet gently as moss in the hollow your clavicle makes, and that's how you know when she's dreaming. Let's say, for her sake, you start tonguing the pill, and you find the nighttime around you grows brighter, discernible. 
let's say you turn around and face your ghosts and charge them like a real minotaur would, only to find they move through you like a flute left outside for the wind to play. Let's say you and the Miz give birth to a host of sequels with diminishing returns. Let's say every day grows remarkably darker than the last, and you begin to wonder whether it's autumn or if there's a half-life to bliss. Let's say you wake to find the fear never really left, and it's just shifted form, like Indiana Jones snatching your gleaming idol, leaving you a gunny sack of sand in a metaphor wherein you have a temple, idol, ritual, that is to say, a culture. Let's say you try to come to terms with becoming a ghost, come to terms as if there's a bargaining table at all, or maybe there is, maybe that's all there is here. Let's say a part of you has always wondered if there's a little boy you can't see controlling you. Excellent poem. That was Benjamin Alshire with uh, Speculative Pac-Ben Nocturne. Thanks so much for calling in and sharing that, Ben. And, uh, and thanks Thank for you. introducing us to Sky, too. It was, uh, we published you in uh, last summer's issue, and then Sky came to the reading we did at uh, the Flint Ridge Bookstore, which is how we met her. So, oh, yeah. so thanks for that, that connection. It was so fun. I'm glad we got to to be at the last um, IRL one there. Yeah, yeah, that was literally the last real life reading we ever did before we switched to the the podcast version. Yeah, very prescient of you, Tim. Yeah, it, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it, it worked out. I was kind of everything was already set up for uh, for doing everything over uh, the internet. But uh, but thanks, Ben. It's always great to hear you uh, and good to hear from you again. Thanks. See you. Yep. Bye. Okay, that was Benjamin Elshire with Speculative Pac-Man Nocturne. Great title. Uh, let's see, who should we do next? Mel Martino. Let's call it Mel. And this looks like a, another friend of Sky's from... Mel Martino, thanks so much for joining us. Um, hang on, there's some static in the background. Okay, sounds like we're good now. Cool. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So what did you have for us uh, to share? Um, a poem I wrote um, before the pandemic hit. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say to uh, introduce it? Uh, yeah. I guess um, it's kind of inspired by um, the first time I went to a library <laughs> to like a story time and it really got me excited about reading and writing as a child so yeah. excellent that sounds like a perfect uh, poem for the rattlecast so go ahead and share it whenever you're ready this is <laughs> east bank regional 96 yeah thank you fingers run along a row of hard spines like gnarled sticks that skitter across dilapidated picket fences moby dick laid upon freud laid upon goosebumps, laid upon in a dark, dark room. A circle jerk of literature splashes forth a hardback title, off the shelf and into my hands. Rainbow fish. Cover bluest as Morrison's eye, firm as father's eye and shall and not. Its frayed paper corners release a musky, oily scent left behind by hundreds of human hands that hustled hurriedly through its cerulean hues. This fish haunts dim hallway pages with its freckled opalescent flakes, once magical, now craggy aluminum foil, reeks not of coastline sea salts, but dandelion seed nostalgia, and suddenly it's 1996. 
For most, summer means jump rope and tree climbing, but for some, it means the library becomes mother's most beloved babysitter. Unmoving dust dances into some unlucky asthmatics nostrils as we children hopscotch between aisles. We semicircle our seated bodies, bound like ships to this literary lighthouse, as st- story time serenade echoes in our conch ears. Before school and rules and bullies, there was you. Pandora's box of colorful characters and flip book picture plots that thicken and churn like butter, unfettered by complex syntax and 13 chain lettered words. Illustrations defy grammar's regime. Rainbow fish scales glimmer like crystal wind chimes hung above our wooden porch or the lavender line of translucent beads elongating the ceiling fan string. As I return the hardcover to its shelf, I imagine somewhere in some small city, iPhones and tablets are tucked away in the backseat of parents' SUVs. A warm rug welcomes a conglomerate of curious kids whose eager eyes burst open like boils as they wait for fingertip spittle to pry forth the next page. Excellent. Mel Martino <laughs> with East Bank Regional 96. Thanks so much for sharing that, Mel. I, I sort of a wave came over me of how much I missed the library, actually, which I hadn't hadn't thought of. But, uh, you know, ours is closed. And, you know, I have kids who are six and ten and love the story time. And, and wow, we really do miss it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you so much. You have a good Thank night. You. Okay. That was Mel Martino with East Bank Regional 96. Um, let me try. I want to make sure I get to every first time caller if we can. Oh, hey. Hey, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. So, who am I talking to? This is. It says Swiss. Yes, this is Swiss. I am also in the MFA program um, with Sky and uh, Nikki and a couple other people. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad you could call in and share something. What? Um, oh, here I found it. Okay, I, I was having trouble finding it because it was a couple of days. So, him to the original is what you wanted to share. Yes, him to the original. I didn't know about the prompts. So. Oh no, no, I have to explain every time because uh, we're, you know, it's prompts for some people who, you know, who are here every week and want some to prompt them, and otherwise we're just happy to hear any uh, any poems that you want to share. So, uh, is there anything you want to say about this to introduce it before you start? Um, yeah, I actually did a workshop over this past summer with Vona Voices of Our Nation's uh, Arts, mm-hmm. and um, got to work with the esteemed and amazing Willie Perdomo. Um, and this was one of the prompts was to write um, a poem after A Hymn to the Evening by Phyllis Wheatley. And so this was my um, inspired poem. Excellent. Thanks. Well, let's hear it. Whenever you're ready, I'll, I'll put it up for everybody. Absolutely. A Hymn to the Original after A Hymn to the Evening by Phyllis Wheatley. They don't write praise songs about little black girls. They see no God worth exalting in bobos and cornrows, especially not in the more tomboyish ones. The ones they know are headed toward a life of pulling up the U-Haul in two days and packing it back up in no sooner than nine months. Toward a life of dad hats and funky print button-ups of joggers to achieve the masculine aesthetic, but still save room for our black woman thick thighs, which too save lives. So this is a praise song to little Kira. I almost wrote your name wrong. I rarely say it. Barely did when it was the only thing life let me hold constant, but you are eternal. 
even in your passing. So this is a praise song to you, Key, Mucka, Kiwa, Kiba, Bubba, Green, Marge, and Charge, so dubbed by your kindergarten after-school program. This is a glorifying of every fist thrown, every permanent hickey the ground left you after kissing your little brown body. And boy, did you two have a love affair. This is a thanksgiving for your hypersensitivity, even though it tornadoed through your still-forming frame, threatening its escape through rib and skin, threatening futilely. This is a song lifting your dark times on high, holding you in every dark corner you refuse to cower in. The defiant seeds that army crawled through the deepest dirt have the strongest roots. You the proof, you the truth. This is a praise song to the sense birth soul snaring stare having skin duffel that holds the boulder of militant truth that is you. That is you, the well from which so many use spring. Spring, I praise your name, each name. Why? Because it's worthy to be praised. Oh, that was excellent. That was Swiss with a hymn to the original. Thanks so much for sharing that. That was great. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. Thanks. Have a good night. You as well. Good night. Let's see. Yeah, that was Swiss with a hymn to the original after a hymn to a hymn to the evening by Phyllis Wheatley. Let me make sure. I want to try to get to everybody who is a first-time caller. Uh, Caitlin Buxbaum hasn't been on in a while. Let's call up Caitlin. Hey, Caitlin, how you doing tonight? Good. I was trying to do two events <laughs> at once, and so I was here for the interview and then i went to another one and they were there was zoom bombers and oh, all man. kinds of things yeah so that's why I, I don't zoom i'm like a control freak like i don't i uh so i don't like zoom it's too many too many possibilities going on there um well it's the first time it's mm -hmm. happened to me like a group that i was in and then somebody we finally got that figured out and then this guy didn't mute himself and like picked up the phone and was having a complete <laughs> phone conversation we were just like no so um I decided to jump in because I really wanted to share my poem and it was an awesome interview tonight and um, Swiss that just read, that was yeah, an awesome Yeah, good stuff tonight. Poem. So I'm going to go back and listen to the stuff I missed later. Um, but I have an astronaut poem awesome. for well, you. We have, remember, is there anything you want to say about it before you read? Uh -huh. Two things. One, it was inspired by a podcast that I just found today, which you might be interested in, which I will talk about in a second. And then... Um, I actually have two versions of this poem. Um, so, so after I read it, I want you to scroll down and you tell me which one you okay. like better. Just okay. how it looks, not how it, it's the same words. Anyway, okay. So this is okay. Astronaut. Launched into the pool. She doesn't ask, where are all the bubbles? Because she knows this is not the simulation. This is the great and endless dark. An unforgiving vacuum that houses the children of the night, who swim, weightless, without water. Here, explorers find their common purpose, to push the boundaries of what we know, with liquid understanding, to meet the light on neutral ground. Oh, astronaut, Caitlin Buxbaum's prompt poem, and then let's look at the other form right here. So this is uh, the same thing, but with line breaks. I have to tell you, I mean, I'm like a... 
like an old school kind of person. But I like the simple, okay. the simple first version. Like what we were talking about with Sky, with that, um, you know, that sort of minimalistic, but it's harder to do having as little punctuation as possible. But it guides the pace of the reading too. So I would go for the the, the traditional line mm-hmm. breaks myself. But that's just me. What do I know? <laughs> Well, and that's the one I wrote mm-hmm. first, but the second version, so I've, I've been looking, a lot of magazines have submission deadlines like oh, in really? two days. And so as I've been prepping submissions for some things, I'll find poems that I think are ready, but not for that magazine. So I've been looking at a lot of different magazines this week. And some of them that I like accept a lot of poems in that second format with the like slashes for, hmm. it's they're essentially line breaks. It just... And sometimes that works for me and sometimes it doesn't. So I don't know which, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm just, a, um, I'm, a, I'm an old fashioned curmudgeon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, in general, I kind yeah. of am too. Um, I still adhere to the 575 hyphen oh, no. form, God oh, no. forbid. Um, <laughs> well, we're going to have to well, cut you off and just I, say <laughs> the 575. Yeah, no. <laughs> Tim, I could write you an essay on this and we should totally talk about At it at some four, point. Six, but, four. That's all um, I'll say. But <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyway, um, the last thing I wanted to say before I let you go, or you let me go, whatever, um, the podcast is called NASA's Curious oh, Universe. That good. Um, and the episode I listened to was called um, the Ass the Neutral Buoyancy <laughs> Lab. Um, is um, like the tank this pool? Going. Yeah, that, yeah. The, yeah, and I I always think of space as the deep ocean like both of those things terrify me and so i went looking for something that merged those things and that's Very what i found cool. so anyway great awesome. podcast awesome thanks, thanks for, for sharing that read. yeah thanks caitlin have a good night bye yep you too okay let's see how many people we can get through um for the rest of the show i think um we have so many people that, that are waiting that i'm not going to um give up on the people who didn't answer sorry but you had your chance um but let's call up jared lacy and hopefully the, the the other thing is I it's getting past time when people might be going to bed. So, hey, Jared, this is Tim with Rattle. Did you want to share a poem? I did, Tim. Awesome. Uh, let me find it. You email it to us, right? Oops. I did. Okay, let me pull it up then. Um, is there anything you want to say uh, about what it's about? Sure. Uh, the poem is just uh, I just simply attribute it to. Um, a person who has come to terms with who they are uh, via coming of age and confidence. Excellent. And this is in a Ma Poetry Magazine. Let me see if I can That's pull correct. it up. It's, yeah, it appears. Yeah, it's one of the two that, uh, that was published in the first issue of Ma, uh, and their um, theme was wild. Excellent. So uh, let me, yeah, we show off these other magazines too. This is a Ma, which I'm not familiar with. Is there anything? Yeah, they're, uh, they're, pretty, they're, they're pretty new. Yeah, is there anything you and know they, about they, it or that you can share? Uh, well, the, um, the one one of the major things I know about them is that they do rec- uh, want to recognize uh, more voices that have, that have gone unheard, like um, you know people of color and uh, LGBTQ plus, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. You know the handicapped, you know various people who you normally wouldn't hear. Excellent. Okay, let's, let's hear this. This is Animal Breath. That's correct. Okay, and I'm ready whenever you are. Yeah, go ahead. I have it up for everybody. Sure. Okay. Animal Breath. The craziness comes in lightning increments. Hard-headed memories chuck pieces of wrecks in and out of you. Here you are a boy again, too quick for even a handshake to make an exchange and grow into a company. You were manageable despite those whispering buzzes of energy that urged you to risk a kiss from one of the funniest guys in high school, old Beeman, who was squinched-faced cute 
and looked about high and invited your backside near his corn-fed thigh. Everyone is a wolverine. Everyone is disease. You've grown and sometimes afflicted by mental whizzes warping and whipping you stagnant and stolid. But when those days moons give off unlikely blues, your mind kicks and mouth overruns to go on a ripping tour to kill the beast of boredom and howl with the others who are brilliant when out of order. That was Animal Breath, and thank you guys so much for letting me share this. Awesome. Thanks so much. That was Jared Lacey with Animal Breath. Thanks, Jared. You're welcome. Good night. And you can find that at Ma Poetry Magazine at Ma, M-A-W, poetrymagazine.com. And Jared Lacey is Jared with two R's. Um, now, we are technically past time. Um, let me see. And the beauty of um, having it be a totally open lines is that uh, you can call in. If you wrote a poem for the prompt this week, you can still read it next week. Um, but let's have someone we haven't had in a while. Um, and I think we're going to have to close it out there. So sorry for everybody who um, is waiting. Um, I don't know if you heard in the background, but my kids are starting to get, the natives are getting restless. The, uh, they're starting to sing and stuff. I think they want to go to bed. So we'll call up one more guest. We'll call Gail Sosinski, who I don't think we've had in a while. Um, if Gail doesn't answer, we'll, um, we'll call someone else, and then it'll, that'll be the night. But you can share your poems uh, next week, too. Hey, this is Tim with Rattle. Did you want to share a poem? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, let me try to um, pull it up. Uh, this is an astronaut poem. Yeah, here we go. Astronaut. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say before you read it? Um, I, I like the challenges simply because I discover something that I didn't know I needed to say. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that's the fun of having prompts. Yeah, that's why we love doing them. Yeah. Okay. Um, astronaut. She walks weightless in the night, the weight of the mission dangling with her from the umbilical to her great tin can. Her tools, rebellious in the absence of gravity. Her breath, hiss and condensation. Her fingers, gloved sausages. Her task, the turn of a single screw. Slot set, turn made, threat conquered. She basks in earthshine, reflecting from storm clouds necklacing her distant home. Warring winds obscuring the groundbound view of pinprick lights that first called her to the weightless decades of past. When, held in Grandpa's arms, the old man pointed up and gave the pinpricks names. Excellent. That was Astronaut by Gail Sosinski. Thanks so much for sharing that, Gail. Thank you. Yep. Good night. Good night. Okay. Yeah, like I said, that's going to have to be the last uh, caller for tonight because we're over two hours now. Um, but to everybody who uh, hasn't shared their poem yet, feel free to join us next week. It's a nice problem to have, uh, not having enough time, I guess, even after we extended it to a full two hours. Um, so next week's prompt is going to be, you can, you can do your astronaut poem still next week, or we could do next week's prompt, which is this. Um, we used randomgenerator.com to select three random words, fear, staircase, passage. Use all three words in a poem or use the random word generator to pick three words of your own. That's the prompt for today. Um, and if you go to randomwordgenerator.com, you can see it's over here. And um, you type in the number of words you want. So we do three. And you can type in which letters you want. It's pretty cool. And you can um, do it by syllable or number of letters or what the letters are. 
it's a pretty interesting little website there. And um, so the prompt for next week is to use either our three words that we found, which once again were fear, staircase, and passage. Or you can pick three words of your own. Of course, let us know what they are. And that can be the prompt for next week or read your astronaut poem or read whatever you'd like. And next week's guest on the Rattlecast once again is going to be Marjorie Lotfi. Uh, we've published Marjorie in, um, I think, three issues of Poets Respond. Um, and she has two uh, chapbooks, Refuge and another one, drawn a blank on the name. You can find her at MarjorieLotfiGill.com. And that's going to be the guest next week, Tuesday, January 5th. And do note the special time once again. That's 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, and it's going to be 8 p.m. in uh, England, where Marjorie is. And that is it for the show today. Thanks again once more time for everybody who uh, joined in and shared poems and, and Sky Jackson for the great discussion and, and excellent poems. Always wonderful meeting the poets that we've uh, come to know over the years. And uh, that is all for tonight. Have a good night, and uh, please do click the share button or, or like or something like that, because that always helps. Good night, everybody. See you soon.